welcome to the Prosperity Pathways podcast with myself, Erica Darshell. This is my guest for today, Don Diesel, who is an artist in, of an independent record label that he owns, and he's a co-founder of Community Initiatives, and we'll get into all of that stuff so that way you guys get to know him better, and we can talk about building and creating a legacy, a better community, and a better future. All right, so for my first question for you, well, actually, before I even get into my question, do you want to introduce yourself and let them know any initial information? Thank you, Erica. I would love to. So, yeah, uh, my name is Don Diesel. I'm a artist from Baltimore, born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Been doing music since, like, 2012 professionally, like, studio recording. But I've always been into music. My father and his best friend, excuse me, they actually helped co-create rap. So it's kind of weird because when the days of Curtis Blow and Fantastic Four were coming up doing their thing, my father and his best friend were already coming up doing their thing as well. But they didn't really get to the levels. You know, my father, um, numerous singing groups, though, he did become pretty well-renowned as a doo-wop singer. I I would like to say my father is the littest industry (laughs) father in the world. He's cooler than Drake's father, I'm telling you. He's cool. So, yeah, I I come from a long line of musicians. My uncle was also a singer. He toured with a a few different singing groups as well. Artist all the way, also an activist, and I stand for the community. So I I have my own nonprofit. It's called Full Productions. co-created it with my cousin and my little brother. We do back-to-school concerts, book bag giveaways, free face paint for the kids, haircuts, everything. We can do my first event. I actually got a citation from the mayor's office. So from the first time, it was building, giving me an opportunity to know that I'm standing for something and becoming an entity in my community. And now I'm one of the lead coordinators for the Hands Up, Guns Down Boxing and the DMV as well. It's a youth boxing initiative that we do to curb gun violence teach people about chess, music, and boxing. I do that with the creator of TBOC, Taking Back Our Communities, which is Tay Campbell. That's Gina from Martin's Brother. Okay. So that's, you know, one of our close concerts, consorts and my brother and partner in that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I do a lot. I'm a musician, but I'm not just a, a regular musician. I'm glad you're trying to put positive information out here to the community instead of what most rap music is just, It's all negative stuff. It's okay to party. Party music's cool. We need it for the party. But sometimes you have to put out some positive things that's going to uplift us instead of keeping us at the bottom. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And I especially think with today's artists, like music is one of the biggest influences of people. If If you're religious or spiritual, you might know of the story of how the devil, Satan, Lucifer, walked and music played every time he walked it was music playing it was drums it was horn so the ability that the first what you would call him at first the light bearer he was first called the light bearer Mm -hmm. he would bring music he would bring joy he would bring love he would bring jubilance right but Mm -hmm. he decided to go against god so all those things that he was that was good went with him and Mm -hmm. was bad now so if you look at the, the state of the world now look at the influence that's going on in music with rappers and hip hop is all drill music. It's all kill music. And look at now we got 12, 13 year old kids getting shot every day. You look at the woman's music, the, the type of music that that's just portraying, hoeing itself out and selling itself to the highest bidder. And look at how that is presenting itself in our community and in our culture. Music is a key influence of the people. And I don't think people understand as much. The, 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 the people at the top understand it. And they use our music against us to achieve their agenda. But we're not 
treating music as important as it should be with us within our own community. If anything, it just needs to be happy, helpful, activist music. It's not even comfortable to just always be banging your head to something that says, I just want to kill. You're always going to be in an angry mood. I was one of those people that listened to gangster music all the time. Now, here and there, I will still listen to gangster music. It's good for working out, to letting off that stress, but not all the time. You need a good message. First question for you is, can you share with us your journey as an independent artist and the story behind the creation of your label, Original Nature Entertainment? Yes, what inspired you to take charge of your own music career and build an organic following? First off, can I get the first part of the question, too? Okay. Can you share with us your journey as an independent artist and the story behind the creation of your label? Yes, ma'am. It's Original Nature Entertainment. It's one. It's called O&E. If you ever hear of one, you think one O&E. Being an independent artist has its downfalls. It also has pros and cons to being an independent artist. So I've always had this leadership mindset where I felt like I was put here with the ability to do great good or great harm. (laughs) I felt like I'm just that powerful of an entity. And I always told myself this. So when it came to music, it's like a natural thing from my my father, how he came up in music and how I learned to do poetry coming up as a kid and all of our influences, like you said, listening to the hip hop coming up. It was empowering for me. It was like, I could speak. I could have a voice. I could really say what I feel and give my thoughts like a real formula instead some people think things but they don't ever say it and they wait for other people to say it for them and people just live vicariously through people like Andrew Tate and Kyrie Irving <laughs> people want to say the stuff that they say but they don't they can't so yeah. I believe it's part of being an independent artist was utilizing my voice I, I didn't want my narrative to be mixed up with someone else's I always say the greatest thing to do is to not be a follower to be a leader and you can't fit in you can't stand out if you're always trying to fit in. So I choose to stand out. And with the music, I've always known that I've been, you know, smart, able to use words, spelling bees as a kid, poetry, stuff like that. So it, it tended to kind of be the natural progression of someone that's good with wordplay to grow into an artist, start writing. And to become independent with it was simply to control my own narrative. I've heard and I've researched so many different stories and parts of the industry and the game where your affiliations were your downfall. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's the artist that you work with or the label that you signed to. So I learned about the game and I began to do things on my own, step by step, not out of choice. As a young and I probably would have signed a deal, but I didn't know exactly what would have been the repercussions of that. So as I've grown and learned about keeping my own royalties and being able to control my own narrative, put out music when I want to do it. I've been offered deals. Warner Brothers have reached out to me. Sony, Tupac friend, Richie Rich, he, he offered me an investment deal as well. They weren't tangible enough. For instance, there was no actual contract sent for most. One company asked me to come sit in Burbank Studios and just be in the studio with Drake. And I'm like, okay, all right, that sounds good. You're going to pay for my flight? Like, send me my flight. No, we're not going to do that. We're okay, so you're not gonna. All right, so how long I'm gonna be out there? Y'all got an itinerary with me where I'm gonna stay at? No, nah, we we're not gonna put you up nowhere. You just gotta get out here. So so how long y'all want me out there? Well, it's no it's no particular time frame. We just we gotta get you in here with. The, look, check this out, man. Y'all trying to do something crazy. Like I don't know what it is, but I can smell a I can smell a rat. You feel me? So yes. today is certain things that you can do when you're independent. You know what I mean? You can say, you can believe, you can think, you can 
so you can put out the right image that you want to put out instead of having to do what they want you to do or these puppeteer things. So that with that is the initial part of me being independent. Starting Original Nature Entertainment it actually started. Can we curse on here or no? It's going to be on YouTube and fan base. Well, I'll just say this. Um, my, original, <laughs> my original name for my label was not Original Nature Entertainment. It was... Original if, Niggas. Yes. How did you get that? How did you sense that? I just sensed it. It's just, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, now I understand that Negus, N-E-G-U-S, is king in Ethiopian king. as well. Yes. It's just a whole dynamic with the words that I, le I learned to do. So, with me doing original nature, it was the spin from Original Niggas, and we took it more mainstream. That couldn't be a name of a label that's really trying yeah. to be out here mainstream doing things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I changed it to Original Nature Entertainment, which still has the same wording, O-N-E. Mm -hmm. It still represents Original, which is our original clan. And it ties in more with my purpose and with God, with it being one original nature. What is our original nature? So it's a deep thing to the label and to how I started being independent, but it's definitely worth everything about it. Okay. Well, that's good to hear because as Aboriginal people, we have to actually take ownership and realize our history started way before slavery and people got to stop barking on we need reparations and this and that. that's just one point in our history that wasn't the beginning that wasn't the end all be all we have come so much further and we have so much further to go but if y'all keep crippling yourselves with this history of being crippled people that's not going to help us heal mm. and that's not going to help us build Amen to that. And I definitely wouldn't say what Kanye said either. Like, slavery <laughs> was a choice. And it I mean, wasn't everybody. It's touchy. But I, I understand that maybe some of us wouldn't have wanted to be those field guys. We'd have fought back and just died. But at the same yeah. time, would you want to die? Would you want to be there for your family? And exactly. So you would kind of have to deal with it. It's just, it's easy. But I would never say that it was a choice. It was a mindset. Really, yeah. it was a mindset because we were enslaved mentally first. It's a large-scale Stockholm syndrome, basically. Yes, yes, For because there's no us. way that you can be subservient to another human being if you are not already mentally subservient. So for you to think that you have to be under someone, you must think that you're under someone. But I also think sometimes with the 400-year thing, mm -hmm. that was what was said in the scriptures, too, that they would be mm -hmm. sent into slavery for 400 years, the same way it was in Egypt. When we don't get things right with God, we have to go through a, a, a certain circumstance, which is like suffering, salvation, and then it's, it's a certain process every time we do wrong. So what we just got to do is just stop doing wrong and we won't have to keep going through that cycle. Pretty much, but we keep doing it. We keep falling for that trap of doing wrong to each other and just doing it wrong. Just Hustling backwards, basically. Hustling backwards, Mark. Yeah. My next question for you on that same accord is building a dedicated following of over 10,000 supporters on social media is no small feat. What strategies and tactics have you employed to grow your online presence and connect with your audience? And how important is engagement and authenticity in building a loyal fan base? Oh, man. Great question. I started off having numerous different pages. So I, I never got to like one page that had 10,000 followers. I have a Twitter, I have a Snapchat, I have a Facebook, I have a TikTok, I have a Triller, I have 
Hawkshare. I have all these different platforms. When you add them up, they add up to way more than 10,000. So the thing about it is to amass that, I say it would take dedication, knowing what you're looking for, knowing what you're trying to do, which is to grow your brand. You will have to do things like podcasts, interviews, shows, not be afraid to network and things like that nature. So I believe part of growing the following is just building, just energy, just working, chipping away slowly. Nobody just, I ain't gonna say nobody. Some people have overnight success, just go viral, but more people than not have to build and mm-hmm. have to learn from failures and mistakes and whether it's their failures or other people's failures. So I believe it, it is definitely rewarding as well. As I was saying, of just being like a independent artist is rewarding because it's the journey and everything. It's not always the end goal. It's the journey. So when you can understand that and you can go through it in a certain way with a smile, with grace and just accepting every way that it's being tugged and pulled sometimes, but staying on that one path, it's very fulfilling. And you start to see the rewards, whether it's your video goes viral or more people try to get you booked for shows and hosting or more interviews. But whatever it is, it's just putting yourself out there more. We're here to interact with people. Our main purpose in life, be fruitful, multiply. What is fruitful? Interaction, networking. So presenting good things, bringing forth good things. But as far as navigating to the point now with engagement, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because you don't want to be, you don't want to be too engaged. You don't want to be always engaged, whereas you're always online and you become an online person instead of a real person. And that's the key of what you said about authenticity, right? I believe when everybody is following a blueprint to get to success, they generally are following an authentic person. So whether it's a a, a self-help coach or whether it's a a fitness instructor or a teacher or generally the people that are the best ones of those are the authentic ones. They're not trying to be someone else. They're being themselves. And then you or me or us, we're trying to be them because they're authentic, right? So I think that's kind of how it works. If you're the authentic one, then you're the one that people follow. You're the trendsetter. You're the one that people want to be like. And like I said, with me having such understanding of my power and such leadership capabilities that I know I always had, it's no reason for me to fit in and to be a follower stuff. So I have to create my own thing, set my own boundaries, set my own brand. And with the engagement, I believe it just takes kind of like just putting more stuff out there a little bit, sprinkles here and there. Like if you're an artist, and all you put up is your music. All right, yeah, you're going to get people that like your music, but you can also put up stories about your family and have people know about who you are, where you came from, your history, your heritage, your lineage. You can put up your job, where you work at during the day until you get to that big thing. But whatever it is, I think it's just based on just being yourself. Like you said, being authentic. The engagement that you can get the most will always come from you being yourself. I definitely agree because... Like you said, when you're the trendsetter, you're always going to have a following. Everybody who's trying to be somebody else, it's hard to keep up with a persona that's not natural. If that's not your natural self, your natural state of being, it's going to be hard to keep up with that. And you'll quickly lose followers because you can't keep up with being somebody else. You're pretending to be somebody else. It's like lying. You can't lie too much forever you'll eventually get caught in your own lie right <laughs> either you get caught in your own lie or you start believing your own lie and you really think that is what happened if somebody tried to tell you what really happened you'll be like no nah, you're wrong we got videos or anything and just like the one hit wonders like you said some people they instantly go viral but even with those people they might instantly go viral on that one video but if they can't continue 
what they already got viral for or what they already gained their notoriety for, that's going to fall off very easily. That's right. That's right. They're going to fizz away real quick. It's, they always say it's easy to get something, but it's hard to maintain it. It's easy yes, to get it love, is. but it's hard to maintain love. It's easy to get money, but it's hard to maintain money. It's easy to get fame, but it's hard to maintain it. So it's definitely the consistency that you would have to show for me because like, I've been doing music for 12 years. Since 2012, it's 2023, 20, 11 years. I have never had a soft streak or mm -hmm. a, a cold streak where I just was putting out all crap. I've been <laughs> consistent with mine. Yeah, I think that is a key to it as well, being consistent. Yes, it definitely is. You have successfully expanded your music's reach to over 30 countries through various streaming platforms. Can you share some insights into your international audience and the impact of your digital platforms on your music's global reach? And how do you navigate the challenges and opportunities presented by the global music landscape? Well, I, they call me Mr. International for a reason. Don Diesel, Diesel Fuel TV, but also Mr. International because I actually see the value in getting UK followers or Germany or Ukraine, Russia. I literally have some type of music connection in a lot of different countries, places. Like my first mixtape went viral in six continents, my first mixtape. Before I even knew who I was or before people knew who I was, I was Googling my first mixtape and it was popping up in Russian and German and China, Chinese letters. And I'm like, hold up, where? Why? But what it was is I put my music on Hawkshare. My first mixtape, I put it on Hawkshare. A lot of people don't know mm -hmm. what Hawkshare is. Hawkshare is a platform that was like a clandestine iTunes back in the day. It was like a lot of unlicensed music on there. People was just putting anything that they wanted to put up. And yeah, something like how Spin Really is, and that's how they got yes. knocked off. But it turned from putting out a mixtape, just doing it for my fans, doing it for my family, my close fans or supporters, and just... And you always rap, might as well go ahead and put it out. Everybody's going. And this was in Baltimore before it was 100,000 rappers in Baltimore. This was when it was like four rappers, five rappers in Baltimore. That was it. It was before Lil Scooter. This was before Moose. This was before, it was like five rappers. Everybody else wasn't even heard of. So exactly. it was hard to build that way, but it was easy because I put my music on Hawkshare. Hawkshare is a platform that people were taking material for like b-movies because it was great music on there that was not licensed you couldn't license it but it was like you couldn't get paid off of it but it was on there so people would take the music and use it for b-movies yeah and that still gets you notoriety that gets you out there even though you might not be getting paid for it at least people are starting to catch wind of you and know who you are to even look for you so that when you do have stuff that they have to pay for you're like oh yeah here comes my money. And that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. And I think the notoriety that I gained from Hawkshare, I got about 300,000 streams on my first mixtape on Hawkshare. It was crazy. I only got like 500,000 streams, period, right now. Authentic, not purchased, straight. I don't have a million streams yet. But a lot of people that do have a million streams, they buy it. And it's just all fake anyway. So I'm just that authentic that I don't want to do that. So it's actually to the point now where, so yeah, basically it's to the point now where I was realizing all the different ways that I went about it. You can't reproduce that. It was just natural, authentic. Next thing I know, I got invited to a show, a pre-Grammy show out in LA. I went out there and met Nipsey Hussle, big brother, and went marathon store. It was just a lot of different things that just started popping. So I, I kind of skipped steps. But it was Hawkshare that got everything kind of started. They got my 
brand known out in the world. And from there, I, I would say I just started utilizing the regular ways that everyone else was. YouTube, Spotify, and start putting my music on Snap and TikTok. I've definitely amassed a, a following on Snapchat recently as well. So I would say it would be the engagement from all those different things that would come together and would give me that ability to, to have so many different streams and everywhere. Also, I have various types of music. I don't just have gangster music. I don't just have club music. I don't just, I have a lot of different types of music. So it can reach a lot of different networks and audiences. As far as the last part of your question, I believe it was kind of like tied into the- Challenges um, and opportunities. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It seems like it would- tied into the, the beginning part where I was saying it's kind of easy, but it's hard. So mm -hmm. it was like, I skipped some steps and the challenges were simply just maintain it, maintain it, keep putting it out until you catch somebody's attention. And I started noticing more people would buy into it. So of course, when you see the results being productive, then you keep going at things. So I think that the aspect of what it was that was really, really good about it was just being able to control your own narrative. With everything that's going on in the world right now, you want to be able to have the most powerful music. So I've actually amassed a certain plan and this part of the plan, we had this stage of the plan, we had this, like I got a whole plan for how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna actually transition from a rap artist into more like a politician. That's the plan though. That was already into the plan, but I'm gonna be yes. the only live politician slash rap artist. Like I'm gonna be a, <laughs> a alderman and still putting out music. And then once I get to the next level, then I fall back with the music and stuff. So in addition to your music career, as you were stating, you said something about politics, but you have also ventured into acting and have been featured in plays and movies on prominent platforms like MTV, BET, and Forbes. How has your experience in the entertainment industry influenced your artistic journey and expanded your creative opportunity? Well, it's definitely is a lot of things that came from music. Normally, it's just my personality, I'm going to be 100, because if I tell somebody I do music, that's one thing. They can look at me and say, well, he's a rapper. He's a rap guy. But when they have a conversation with me, that's why I love interviews. Like when I'm able to talk one-on-one -on -one with people and give them my trill side, my real, and then my smart, my wisdom, my godly, I feel like that's the thing that really wraps someone around you as an artist. So, And as a person, more importantly, not just an artist, because I'm an artist in more ways than just one, not just rap. I'm an artist in how I paint pictures with my words, how I help navigate other people to get to where they need to be in life. I feel like that's painting a picture. So everything that I've done to this point, I would say, has been a little difficult, but getting to acting and everything like that, that wasn't really too hard because I'm naturally charismatic. I'm naturally my own self, authentic, funny. So me getting into plays and movies was just part you know that was the evolution that it was going to be but i initially got into plays with my sister down in dc and we used to go to those little places where you got to snap like this to clap oh the poetry club type thing yeah, yeah. man i like those places i like those places like the stuff from from what was that love 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 jones yeah yeah it was love jones oh yep. man i love that movie that that scene when they were in there and the dude was just holding the mic giving his words and then the lady yes. come up and they be in there smoking a cigarette. It was it's just cool. You mentioned that they have like a newer, updated version on this show that my my cousin, my first cousin, she plays in this show called Johnsons. Mm -hmm. That's on BT Plus. Shameless plug there. Her new season starts in August, and she is oh. dating one of the main characters on there now in this new season. But he got up there and had a poem for her, and everybody was snapping it. You got to watch the scene. I'm not gonna tell everybody. Okay. So okay, you got to cool. watch the show. 
cool. Yeah. I'm interested yeah. already. So I started at, at plays and then kind of morphed into local movies, working with artists, basically, and directors in Baltimore, Baltimore Bird, the, the Bad News Baltimore series. I was actually in that one episode. I was also in a couple of Teresa Davis's productions. She's a local videographer and writer and filmmaker in Baltimore, wonderful woman. Her and her partner, Kane, and her son, Stephen, they were always supportive of me, just as me being an artist and a person. So it was natural once they started to really do their movies, okay, I'm getting right with y'all, I'm supporting y'all, as well as building my brand. So just having articles written about me and put on different platforms, whether it was a Huffington Post or Voyage Baltimore and stuff like that, that kind of got the ball rolling as well. Like, okay, people see who this guy is and people know who this guy is. So then I would get more opportunities for plays and things like that. So at the point now where I'm at, I'm looking for the next big thing. I'm building my own TV show. So I'm going to be the star of my own show as well as Baltimore is going to be the star. We're building a show called Getting It Out the Mud TV series, which is basically a moniker from Moose, which is a young artist in Baltimore. He has a crew called out the mud that's his label so I, I reached out to him and got his blessing on calling the show getting it out the mud but you know getting it out the mud is a saying that we just all say yes. period just we building something from nothing so yes. i'm putting together a show about entrepreneurs that are building from nothing and i'm going to be the one building so I'm getting a lot of other people as well and that's going to be the big thing that i do as far as tv film and production i'm not going to get with other people mm -hmm. you know my other guy we got clothing lines and stuff affiliates 